Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, Nastainu, Nastavakiru, one of Minubi, one of Kadwari, and I would be Lahim in Shuru and Putina, Omitayati Amalina, Maya, the Allah, Hola, Mudilla, or May Yudulla, Hola, Hadiella, when I shadow and Ilaha in the law, Wahdahu, the Sharikala, when I shadow and Muhammadan Abduhu or Solo. And my back, Kalala Hatala, he became a dream. بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا ادخلوا في السلم كافة ولا تتبعوا خطوات الشيطان إنه لكم عدوب مبين صدق الله العظيم إن في خطبة إن شاء الله I will cover a subject which is very relevant for us today and it has been relevant for almost a century now. Um, the subject I'd like to cover as the ayah I recited is about, number one, the comprehensiveness of our deen. And Allah Azza wa Jal requires us to enter into the fold of Islam completely. That's one aspect of it. And the second aspect is, today, whether we are talking about Muslims and the Muslim world, Muslim world at large, or the whole world. We find the, the systems of lives, as, or especially the system of life, which is secularism, has been implemented all around the world. And there are, uh, seems to be some uh, confusion has been created, even among the Ummah as well, as if, Secularism is, is part of Islam. Or even statements have been made as Islam is embedded in secularism. Or same way uh, things are mentioned about ruling system that comes out of secularism as well. It is important for us because if we start thinking that way, that it is Islam, then we will look for our solutions in there as well. So it, this is why it is very important for us to first understand these terminologies. So while we start using along with Islam, whether it is valid or not. <coughs> well, the ayah that I recited, in this ayah, as I have mentioned in the past as well, whenever the ayat starts like this, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, it means it is followed by which means all you who believe, the believers, the, uh, the, the mu'mineen, this is followed by either awamir wa nawahi, either commands from Allah Azza wa Jal for the believers to do, or prohibitions coming from Allah Azza wa Jal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to abstain from them. In this ayah, which is mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah Azza wa Jal is mentioning, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, that enter 
into the folds of Islam completely. And do not follow the footsteps of Shaitan. And he is a clear, indeed, he is a clear enemy of yours. So Allah has very clearly defined us who is our enemy, who can take us away from the path of Allah. And if we are not entering into the folds of Islam, and if we are following anything but the who Allah ordained us, we are getting on to the footsteps of Shaitan. <coughs> That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in this ayah, number one. Now, to talk about what secularism is, we have to go back to their own definition. Rather than we start making our own definition and start saying secularism is what we define, whether this is not, while this is not even our terminology. This is not a terminology that Islam has defined. You will not find qala Allah azza wa jal or qala Rasulullah about secularism. Yeah? So, what they say about secularism, the definition is this, and it is mentioned in their uh, Webster dictionary. Secularism is defined as is the, the indifference to or rejection or exclusion of religion. Number one thing, it excludes the religion. From what? And, or, and religious conservation. In certain contexts, the word can refer to anti-clericalism, atheism, Desire to exclude religion from social activities or civic affairs. Banishment of religious symbols from the public sphere. State neutrality towards religion. The separation of religion from state or disestablishment. Separation of church and state as they started off separation of church and state. And (coughs) as a philosophy... Secularism seeks to interpret life on the principles taken solely from the material world, without recourse to religion. Secularism draws its intellectual roots from Greek and Roman philosophers, such as Zeno, Alcitium, and Marcos, uh, from Latin <coughs> thinkers, such as Erasmus, John Locke, Denis uh, Diderot, Voltaire, Baruch, and, uh, and on and on, and Thomas Jefferson uh, and Thomas Paine. And from the more recent free thinkers, atheists such as Robert Ingersoll, Bertrand Russell, and Christopher Hitchens. So it shifts the focus from religion to other temporal and this-worldly things, with emphasis on nature, reason, science, and development. And the new definition actually nowadays is used for secularism is that when it comes to the religion, it is driven by the state. What kind of a religion or what part of religion you can follow and what part of religion you cannot follow? So meaning, if we are talking about Islam, first we have to know what Islam says about all these things. It's not the issue of somebody just gets up here and he starts talking about things of his own mind. As we know, as a Muslim, for us, the things that matter is what comes from Allah Azza wa Jal. From the Wahi, from the Quran, and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and we know when we talk about the Sunnah, Sunnah means it is another kind of revelation, another part of the Wahi, because Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he only gave or taught from the Wahi, that he did not speak from his desires. He only gave, only says what was revealed to him through the Wahi. So now, having established the fact, what exactly is the definition from the horse's mouth? 
from their own definition, we are not the one who are defining it. Now, unfortunately, what happens is a lot of time we think of Islam nowadays because of very same uh, definition. When uh, the secular system has been implemented all across the world, including the Muslim lands as well today, so we have started looking at the deen of Islam, that Allah subhanahu wa deen, which is a comprehensive way of life for us to live, we have started looking in the similar manner. As if separation of masjid and estate is a concept in Islam. Or separation of religion from the estate is a concept in Islam. Of course it's not. But because we have started looking from the very same, uh, 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 if you want to call it the filtration process, we start looking at the things the same way and we think of it, Brother, if you are talking about Islam, why do you talk about life affairs? Let the state run the life affairs. This has nothing to do with the people who are talking about Islam to talk about these things. But when we look at Islam, we find something different. There's a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is mentioned in Sahih al-Muslim. And it says, قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam كَانَتَ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلِ سَسُوسُهُمْ وَالْأَنْبِيَاءِ like Bani Israel, the children of Israel, they were, the Su'suhum is the word, as the brothers who are Arab here, they know this is from the root word of Sasa. And Sasa is also has the meaning words like Siyasatul Hisan, meaning that taking care of the affairs of the horses. And when it comes to the human beings, that's also the same word is used. So here Allah said, the Su'suhum they were taking care of the affairs of the people. That's what the Anbiya were sent for. Each one of them, when one, one died, other one took over. Other one is the one who was the Khalifa behind the other prophet. And there will be indeed, there is no prophet after Rasulullah We understand that Rasulullah came down for the very same purpose of establishing the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. And Rasulullah said, there will be no more prophet after me. But there will be khulafa after that and there will be many in number. Again, but the work of whether you talk about the anbiya, whether you talk about the khulafa, is what? To do tasusuhum, to take care of them, to take care of the affairs of the people by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we find that from other ayat in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then how much of a detail Islam gives the things in? There's a hadith by Salman, عن Salman رضي الله عنه. قال, قال لنا المشركون إني أرى صاحبكم uh, so, uh, uh, إني أرى صاحبكم يعلمكم حتى يعلمكم الخرافة. Meaning, he said, Salman said, the mushrikun, they used to say, polytheists, they would come to them and they used to say that we see that indeed your sahib, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even teaches you how to use the bathroom. When you go and uh, fulfill your hajjah, uh, even he teaches you how to take care of that. فَقَالَ أَجَلْ إِنَّهُ نَهَانَ أَنْ يَسْتَنْجِ أَحَدُنَا بَيَمِينِ أَوْ يَسْتَقْبِلْ قِبْلَةَ وَنَهَا عَنِ الرَّوْثِ وَعِذَامِ That he said, yes, and he also tells us that you uh, use the, uh, first of all, you do the istanja with, uh, uh, with the left hand, not the right hand. And also do not do it with the bones. And the hadith continues on. 
And uh, we did not, and he has also instructed us not to use less than three stones for the istanja. Now, the purpose of mentioning this hadith is not here for me to go into a fiqhi issue of how to do the istanja. Whether right hand or left hand or, or the three or five or how many stones are you using or what kind of a stone should it be. This is not the purpose of bringing this up. The point of bringing this up, brothers, is so we understand Islam even goes into these kind of a details. This is why the mushrikun were asking this question like this. Oh, your sahib even teaches you this? It's not the point of this is the only thing he's teaching. It's all more of a, even to that detail, Islam <laughs> is coming and telling us what to do and how to do it. Okay. When it comes to uh, the akhlaq, the morals, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, That I, I was sent to perfect the characters, the akhlaq, the morals. So Islam talks about how our morals should be as well. It doesn't mean that Islam only came for akhlaq. Akhlaq is another part of our actions, as we are aware of it, that when it comes to our actions, our actions entails with three different kinds of relationships. The relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal. When we are doing the ibadah of Allah, this is why Fuqha divided these actions as these are ibadat. The actions which are about ourselves which includes our clothing, what we eat, how the akhlaq. These things are referred as malbusad, matumat, and the akhlaq. These are the things which is related to an individual of his own. And the third relationship is about how we deal with others, which is mu'amulat. So all these things encompasses all our relationships. As the hadith of Rasulullah wasallam even talks about the issue of how you deal with the women. The hadith says, man kana lahu Whosoever he had three daughters, or three daughters, or sisters, or two or three uh, daughters or sisters, if he takes care of them well, then there is Jannah for him. See, so the, the dealing with our women, this is an obligation for us to do well as Allah has ordained on us because this hukum is connected with the Jannah. And we know this is one of the qarina of the fiqh that if something is connected <coughs> to the Jannah or something is connected to the hellfire, then the, the hukum that exists in there is referring to something which is obligatory. So taking care of our daughters. Our sisters. Another hadith talks about the mothers. We are all aware of. So then when it comes to the relationship with the women, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us, commanded us to do it in the best possible manner. And when it comes to the parents, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, And your Lord has decreed that you not worship except Him. And to parents, good treatment. Look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala followed the, the good treatment of the parents right after he asks us to worship him alone only. So it's a, it's, it's, it comes under the kabair if a person is not being well-mannered with the parents. And that includes even if the parents are non-Muslims. When it comes to the respect and the manners, that is an obligation on us. So Islam talks about our relationship with our parents as well. And the... Uh, <clears throat> 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also talks about our relationship when it comes to others, including even if there is somebody who's implementing Islam over us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us to be obedient to Allah and His Messenger. And the ulul amal minkum, the one who are ruling over you with Islam, be obedient to them also. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And if you have a tanaza, if you have a disagreement, then go back to Allah and His Messenger again. Again, even being obedient to the ruler is based on what? Quran and Sunnah. If he is disobeying Allah's commands, then there is no, there is no obedience. If there is a disobedience to the Khaliq, to the Creator, then there is no obedience to the makhluk in the ma'asiyah, in the, in the sin. And uh, it's, it's not only comes down to only uh, about the relationship with the parents, with the sisters, or the brothers, or our neighbors. We are very, very well aware of even the non-Muslims who live around us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how our relations should be. And also Allah teaches us our relationship with him. Like the hadith of Rasulullah says, Rasulullah said, the Islam is built on five, which is first, which is the shahadatain, and then the salah, the zakah, the hajj, and, uh, and fasting in the month of Ramadan. This is what Islam's basic pillars, the tenets are, everything is built on top of it. So the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also defined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. <clears throat> now, the problem that happens is, uh, and before I go into that, I'll talk about one more thing. Besides that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also talks about the hudud Allah as well, within the Quran. It's not left it as, okay, you, you be good on an individual basis, you be good with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relationship and the people, but if you don't, there's nothing to watch out. <laughs> no, there are hudud of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentioned. In the, in the Quran, in the Hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Subhanahu says, They to stay away from the zina. The, the, hadith, the ayah says, it is, it is a fahisha, it is an indecent, illicit uh, uh, action. Uh, similarly, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala talks about, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, This is a thief. Men, men or a woman cut their hand. And this cutting the hand, of course, is not done by we grab somebody who steals and cut the hand of him. It is done by the one who is ruling by Islam over us. So that aspect is also covered by, uh, by Islam. Allah Subhanahu wa says, These are the limits set by Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whosoever obeys Allah and his messenger will be admitted to his gardens. Now, that's about the hudud of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the question and the issue that comes in, as I was talking from the beginning part of the khutbah, is about secularism itself now. So Islam tells us that Islam covers all the details of our action, how the actions should be undertaken. But when it comes to secularism, they define secularism as something that isolates the religion. It throws the religion out of it. Religion has nothing to do with the life affairs. It cannot enter into life affairs to tell us how to deal with the life affairs. That should be taken care of by the people themselves. They will decide 
what is legal, what is illegal, or if you want to call it uh, in the terms of halal and haram, they will become the ones who are deciding the halal and haram in that sense. Who they will be deciding what actions can be taken, what actions cannot be undertaken. Now, this idea of human beings making these kind of a judgments can be understood actually better if we go back to the life of Rasulullah and we find forget about the human beings like you and me or somebody else or the majority or everybody else together the one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the best of the creation the one who was chosen even over all the prophets as Isra al-Miraj tells us when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he led the salah of all the anbiya and he's the one besides when you look compare him with the other prophets he is the only prophet who was sent for the whole mankind all the prophets before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they were sent for a specific nation but when it comes to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his Appointment as the Prophet of Allah was like that, that he is sent for all the uh, for, for all the nation. Even for him, look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he does not even have this right to make something legal or illegal. As the ayah says, actually two ayah. One is the Surah Al-Tahreem. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he made the, the asal or the honey. Uh, he said he will not eat anymore because of the issues that were happening between his wives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya nabi, lima tuharrimu ma ahallallahu lak. O Prophet, why do you make something haram that Allah has made halal for you? Are you trying to just gain the, 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 to, to please your, your wives? So even Rasulullah the best of the creation, he did not have the right to make something halal that Allah made haram or make something haram that Allah made it halal. Similarly, he did not have the right to change anything in the text of the Quran, to come up with something of his own. When he is bringing the wahi, he is bringing the, giving us the wahi as is. Like Allah subhanahu wa This is a very harsh statement, sounds like it. When he's talking to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah azza wa jal, he's talking about in Surah Al-Haqqa, the meaning over here is, and if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa had made up about made, made up something about some false sayings. <coughs> the ayah goes, we would have seized him by the right hand. You know, right hand is normally your the strong hand. You hold somebody with the right hand, now you are making him incapable to do something. And the ayah goes on, and then we would have cut from his the, 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 the aorta, the main line of the blood that goes and give, the, give to the heart. Allah Allah is giving this kind of a warning to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that you cannot make anything uh, from, on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you, we do not have the right to do any of those things. Now, why am I bringing all those things? Inshallah, in the last couple of minutes, I will make the point about that. Yesterday, somebody forwarded me a meme. And they were talking about save the democracy. 
It's a masjid who was calling for this idea of save the democracy, which is a man-made law. Since when, as a Muslim, it is a product of secularism. Now, somebody can come and say, no, brother, there's a thing called democracy in Islam as well. As I was talking about, some brothers come and say, no, there's secularism in Islam as well. See, these terminologies, they have to be understood (coughs) properly. If you don't understand these terminologies, of course, we can end up saying things like this. And that was in the context of what? It was in the context of, save the democracy or democratic republic of India, so it will protect everybody. Because of all the things which are happening in India today. And I don't have to go in that detail. The point is to understand, and brothers, I would like to go into details with you if you like to talk about it. And this has to be an open discussion if the khutbah is not enough to understand these concepts. Because in the case of democracy, one key thing there is, man is the one who decides what is right and wrong. Whether it's one, whether it's two, whether it's ten, whether it's one percent, top one percent, or it's the hundred percent of the population. Whatever it is, is the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are the one who decides what is right and what is wrong. This is where the contention is. Because when it comes to Islam, even Muhammad wasallam did not have the right to make halal haram or haram halal. Who are we to think, no, we as collectively, we can come up with something better. So this is the point that we really have to think and ponder before we go into the details of that. Each terminology has a meaning. Yes, Islam talks about shura brothers. Bashura is not about making halal haram or haram halal. Shura is about the mubah things, which are permissible either way. And you do that as shura. And this is one of the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, unfortunately, because some time has been misused. So I want to bring it up so we remember that. This is by uh, Aisha radiallahu anha. She said, مَا خُيَّرَ النَّبِيُّ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam بَيْنَ أَمَرَيْنِ إِلَّا أَخْتَارَ أَيْسَرَهُمَا Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was given two choices. He always picked the easier one. مَا لَمْ يَأْفِنْ كَانَ الْإِثْمُ كَانَ أَبْعَدَحُمَا مِنْ But he never committed sin. He was way far away from the sin. He was way far away from the sin. This part of the hadith nobody talks about. Nobody talks about which chapter of Sahih Muslim this hadith is mentioned. The chapter, the name of the chapter of the hadith is talk about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never got close to the, the sin. He, when he was given the choice between the mubah, he chose the easier one. This hadith is not talking about that if the halal becomes difficult to go pick the haram. Hadith is not talking about that. Hadith is only talking about when there are two mubah, two permissible actions. Pick the one which is easier one. That is fine. This is the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's the way we are ordered to do. It is something recommended for us to do the things in an easier manner. If the choice is mubah either way. So we have to really know these terminologies inshallah. And uh, similarly, just to quickly talk about the issue of sometimes people bring the issue of the Surah Hudaybiyah or Hilful Fudul. Hilful Fudul was one of the facts that happened before Rasulullah became a prophet, and Rasulullah participated in it, and he said 
When he was in Medina, he said, if Hilful Fudul is presented to him in Islam, in Islam, he will accept it. See, over there, the hadith, what he's talking about is, in Islam means within the boundaries of Islam. Not something, and you have to read Hilful Fudul, because Hilful Fudul is talking about helping the one who has been oppressed <coughs> to make sure there's no injustice happen. These are within the framework of Islam. Similarly, we talk about Hudaybiyah. Rasulullah was commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As a matter of fact, you say that this was a, 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 a weaker stance, Rasulullah, it's rather, he actually took the stance, even Sahaba were coming and they were complaining. And he did not care if everybody goes against it because he was the messenger of Allah and he would continue to follow Allah at order. So, Surah Hudaybiyah, when we talk about that, there was a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was no compromise in there. You never, you never find in the life of Muhammad wasallam that he is making any kind of a compromise. So if we are looking for the solution for the issue of India, it's not the democracy, it's not the secularism that's going to solve the problem, that is the cause of the problem. How can we look for the solution in the cause? That, that cause has never solved anything for the Muslim besides creating problems. Brothers, look at the history. How long we have been talking about, let's look for a temporary solution for Palestine. How long we've been talking about temporary solutions for, for Kashmir. How long we're talking about solutions for Kosovo, Bosnia, Sudan, Yemen, Syria. Whichever place you want to talk about, we talk about that. Let's do a band-aid work. And we are ne- never able to solve these problems. And the only solution that we have, if we, are, if we were looking for a solution, it comes from <laughs> Islam. And nothing else. <coughs> so all the things I want to encourage today, inshallah, is no matter what kind of an issue we are talking about, have the basis straightened up that we want to look for solutions in Islam and Islam only. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.